let me ask you this question. Why does your spouse have the ability to tick you off so bad? Have you ever thought about that? There ain't nobody in the world that has the ability to make you as mad as your spouse. She, she or he has this incredible ability to just get on your last nerve. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> watch out. Watch out how, how much you amen on this, okay? So the other night, the other night I got into bed and I rolled over to tell Lindsay goodnight and she said, did you brush your teeth? I said, say what? She said, did you brush your teeth? I said, how dare you, woman? I got up out of the bed. She said, where are you going? I said, brush my teeth. <laughs> but I was mad. I was upset. How dare you ask me if I brushed my teeth? I didn't, but, but she, she asked, and I, of course, got upset. And it's the, like the simple things. Like, isn't it really? Isn't it the simple things and the small things that kind of tee us off, you know? Hey, did you go do that? Why are you asking me that? I'm like, whoa, I'm just asking. Did you put the tea back in the refrigerator? Okay, all right. So, but it's just the simple things. It seems like we can be in fights and arguments and conflicts. And so today's message is called, It's Worth the Fight. Everybody say, it's worth, it's worth the fight. The fight. You know, marriages, a lot of times, they're a lot like a deck of cards. It starts off with two hearts and one diamond. And by the end, you want a club and a spade, right? <laughs> That's how it works. Fighting's inevitable. We fight in marriage all the time. Here's the big question of the day, though. Okay, you ready? Here's the big question we've got to wrestle with today. Are we going to settle with just being okay with fighting in our marriage? Or are we going to step up the game and begin to fight for our marriage? It's easy to fight in it. That's, you know, I mean, anybody that's been married more than a week knows how to fight in a marriage. But are we going to be a people of God that say, you know what, we're not just going to be okay with just fighting in it. That's inevitable. But are we going to fight for it? Are we going to fight for our marriage? That's why I've titled this message called It's Worth the Fight. And so I want to I take this message, we're going to divide it into kind of two parts. Already going to get a part A and a part B. So part A, we're going to talk about why we fight in marriage. So let's just talk about the root causes of really what brings the conflict in our marriage. Which, by the way, listen, if you are single in here and you're checking out and like, oh, this is marriage stuff, don't check out. First off, learn from all of our mistakes. Secondly, all of the stuff that I'm probably going to share today doesn't just apply to marriage. It applies to any relationship. It can apply to you and your kids. Anybody fought with your kids before? Your in-laws, your outlaws, your... You're whatever, any relationship. So a lot of this is going to be applicable to any relationship that you're in. So we're going to talk in part A about why do we fight in marriage, and then I'm going to come back on this backside, and I'm going to give you some practical things on, on how do we fight for it. Because we don't want to just know why we do it. Most of us know why, but we want to come back and say, okay, how do, we, how do we do it the right way? So let's talk about, first off, why we fight in marriage. Here's number one. We did a Facebook post. I did one at the beginning of this week and asked, hey, what are the two greatest things that you argue about? Which, man, you guys fight a lot. <laughs> and the number one thing is actually the number one thing on here. It's the first one, at least. It might not be number one, is we're poor communicators. We're poor communicators. If you go back and look at it, tons of people put miscommunication, 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 just not having the ability to communicate well. How many know good marriage takes good communication. And how many know good communication is really hard work? 
It's hard work to do. So I want to talk to you real quick. Let's break down communication. Let's look at the barriers to communication. There's some barriers to the way that we communicate with each other. Here's your first one. Withdrawal. Withdrawal. So withdrawal is this idea that as soon as there's an an argument or even a conversation gets a little bit more intense, you just shut it down. I don't want to talk about it. No, no, no. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it. As soon as we get anywhere near whatever that touchy subject is, we just shut it all down. We're not talking about that. Or we just leave. We physically withdraw. I'm out out of here. Listen, you want to talk about that stuff? Talk about it with yourself. I'm gone. We leave the room, we leave the house, we just, we just leave the situation, we, ju- we just withdraw, and we go into what's called the silent treatment. Come on, how many of how you have done the silent treatment in here? Come on, let's be honest in here. How many of you lose Come on, y'all know what the silent treatment's like in bed, right? You crawl, crawl up in bed, and nobody's talking to each other, but everybody's talking, but not saying anything. <laughs> y'all know how that goes, right? Back to back, you're not looking at each other. It's back to back, but you just feel her in the other side. And you just, there's no, there's no communication, but you're talking a lot without saying anything. It's like, (sighs) (laughs) like you can see, like I can smell smoke rising on the sides of my wife. And you know, you don't trespass on the other, don't you dare put a foot or anything. You just lost the war. You don't do that. You don't, you don't, you don't touch, you don't talk, you don't do anything. There was a couple that was doing the silent treatment with each other and they had a big old argument. And so they were like, we're not, I'm fine. We're not going to talk about it. And they did this whole silent treatment thing and they weren't going to talk to each other at all. Well, the husband had a plane that he had to catch the next morning at 7am, but he didn't want to tell his wife because he didn't want to lose the war. You know, we're, we're not talking about anything. So he wrote on a notepad and said, Hey baby, please wake me up at five. He put it on the laboratory where she brushed her teeth. He goes to bed. All right, I'm still winning. I'm not saying anything. He wakes up, looks at the clock. It's nine o'clock. He's, he's mad. He looks over at the little side table, and there's a note that says, hey, baby, it's five o'clock. <laughs> That's funny. Come on, I mean, no, guys, you can't win that war, by the way. You can't win that war. That's, a, that's the silent treatment, Okay. So there's withdrawals. Second one, you ready? Write this down. Escalation. So if withdrawals doesn't work, I don't want to talk about it, then what we do is we go zero to 100 in 3.2 seconds and go, all right, let's talk about it. And then we just take it off from there. We get loud and we get big and boisterous and we get, try to be intimidating and slamming doors and flipping pillows hard and you know, we're just, everything's escalated. So you go from one extreme of, no, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it, to, fine, you want to talk about it? And then we go to this other extreme where we're just yelling and intense. How many of you grew up in a home where there was yelling, that, a lot of yelling that went on? I'm just curious, okay, my home too. <clears throat> How many went in, were in the homes where we just don't talk about it? Anybody in here? Okay, all right. We're going to just stuff it until it's like a volcano in the room and then it explodes. So there's withdrawal, there's escalation. Let me give you the last one is belittling. So after there's been escalation and there's yelling and all that stuff, eventually if you feel like you're not winning in this argument, then you just start putting that person down. And really this is, an, uh, this is the most insecure people ever. Because the reason is, is that you're so insecure about yourself, the only way that you can feel better about yourself is to make somebody else less than you. It's sixth grade bullying, by the way. Right? I don't feel good about myself. I don't like the way that this, this situation's going, so I'm just going to either make fun of you or make, less, make, make you less than, and, and we just say stuff that's just, 
absolutely belittling to that person. And by the way, this is terrible on Facebook and social media. It is bad. Have you ever tried to like, don't put a comment on anything because it's coming after you. And I see, I see grown adults acting like fifth grade girls. She did this, and how did she, how did she, and like putting it all over Facebook, and how did blankety blank do this, and here she did, hey, by the way, you now look like the fool. I know I didn't get a lot of amens on that one, okay? Like, oh, dang it, I gotta go back and delete my post, all right? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm telling you right now, listen, OSC, I'm gonna save you a lot of heartache. Don't post anything that is belittling to other people. Don't post anything that makes you look like the fool. Don't pray before you post. And if it's not encouraging and uplifting, keep it to yourself and maybe just, how about you just spend some time with the Lord and let him deal with that between you and him instead of putting it out there like, hey, y'all watch out for such and such. She's this, this. Like, it's bad. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all seen this stuff? It's trash. You know what it is? It's because you're insecure. And you feel like your way of getting back at them is to make less of them. It's a, it's a barrier to communication. It's a, it's a wrong way to communicate. If you're mad at them, go talk to them. Which, hey, by the way, the words that you say, you can't unsay them. You can't unring that bell. As soon as it's wrong, it's wrong. And so the, the words that we say over our spouse to our spouse in relationships can't, can't be undone. It reminds me of a guy who's just absolutely frustrated with his wife. And he looked at her and he says, how can you be so beautiful and so stupid at the same time? Yeah. Y'all, y'all, and she said, well, let me explain to you. God made me so beautiful so that you would be attracted to me. And God made me so stupid so I'd be attracted to you. <laughs> you, don't, you can't win, guys. I'm telling you, you can't win. Husband and wife are mad at each other or arguing in the car and the guy is driving by and he sees a farm with cows and pigs and chickens and he looks over at his wife taking a jab at her and he says, hey, look, relatives? And she said, yeah, in-laws. <laughs> Guys, you cannot win, okay? Just don't. You can't. All right. Let's, <laughs> that's funny. Um, let's go to scripture. <laughs> Matthew 12. Hey, this is Jesus' words here. So, I mean, we're having fun, but let me tell you, Jesus is very serious about the words that we say and the way that we communicate with, with, with each other. Look what, look what he says. This is how he starts it off. Hey, let me tell you something. How do you know when Jesus says that? You better listen. Hey, listen, I got to tell you something. This is what he says. Every one of these careless words, underline that or just kind of make a little star by that. Careless words. Really, that's what those are, right? Careless words. And it says every one of those careless words is going to come back to haunt you. Now watch this. There will be a time of reckoning, meaning that we will stand before the Lord for every word that we have said. And, and words are powerful. Take them, what? Take them seriously. Words can build and words can destroy. Hey, by the way, words are never neutral. They're either doing one or doing the other. We have this conversation with our boys all the time in our home, trying to rearrange their heart to be edifying, be building. Ah, stop that. Is that lifting him up or is that beating him down? Beating him down. 
Yes, we're only going to speak words that are uplifting, building up. Words are powerful. I know people that are in their that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s that are still trying to get past the pain of words that were spoken to them when they were in elementary school. Which, by the way, watch what you say over your kids because they will become what you say. A little, this little hellion, this little heathen, this little they will become that. Because words are powerful. They're powerful. And look what they also say. It says, take them seriously. Because words can be your salvation. That's great. But they can also be <laughs> your damnation. So we need to watch the way that we communicate. And a lot of times we have conflict in our marriages because we just don't know how to communicate with one another. In week four, Lindsay and I are going to come up on stage and she, I'm going to have her with me. And we're going to talk a lot more about communication, how to do it right, how to do it well, not because we're the best at it, but we'll share things that we've learned in this. But communication's a big deal. We need to get this right. Here's number two. We're different. Hey, have y'all noticed that? <laughs> like, you're different from your spouse. Like, you're hot. She's cold. You spend money. She saves money. You want to spank. She wants to give grace. Or maybe she wants you to spank and she wants to give it. We're just different in so many different ways. We're just different. God made us completely different. I've never come home from a long day at work and be like, baby, I just, man, I just need a bubble bath, some, some Michael Buble, you know, playing. I just, like, I've never done that. Now my wife, after a long day, she wants a bubble bath. We're different. I don't want that, okay? I mean, my wife's always wanting to be intimate with me all the time. I'm just like, can we just talk and cuddle? Just, you know, you just spoon or something. I mean, babe, get off, seriously, get off me. I mean, I can say that because she's not here. Um, she'll be watching later. I'll get it. To- <laughs> Have you ever noticed that our differences is what attracted us to them and then now it's the thing that irritates us? You love that she was so organized. And now you're like, I don't like it because she's trying to organize me. You love that she was a, a saver. And that now you don't like it. You love that she was compassionate or she was this. And, but now that it, it's what bothers you. You love that she was emotional in times. And now it irritates you. Like the things that we used to love that was the differences about them. Now it irritates us. But we're different. You just got to get over the fact that you're different. My wife and I, we do the disc profile that we do in step three here. Like, we're on opposite ends. Like I'm over here. She's over here. We process things differently. We make decisions differently. I get so upset with her because she can't make a decision. I already made the decision two days ago. I'm waiting for you to make the decision. Like, I'm trying to catch, catch up with me. And I get so mad at her because she doesn't make decisions as fast as I do. But also, my greatest challenge is I make decisions too fast. Y'all with me here? It's a both... It's not an either or, it's a both and. We gotta realize that she's got strengths that she brings into your marriage. He's got strengths that he brings into his marriage and our differences are not things that we should compete against. They should be complementing to each other. Y'all with me here? Husband, you need her to be organized. You, you, you wouldn't even go to work with anything clean if it was up to you. She walked into your bachelor pad and made it something that was actually bearable now. Like, thank God for our spouses. 
But we're, we're different, which is brings conflict. Mark 3 says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And a happy marriage is not how much we are alike or how much we think alike. See, because even if Lindsay and I don't see eye to eye, we have made up our mind that we will always walk hand in hand. Y'all with me? Listen, even when Lindsay and I don't see eye to eye, which is often, we've just made it a commitment. We will still walk hand in hand, though. Oftentimes, when we don't see eye to eye, we don't want to walk hand in hand. Well, you go do your thing. I'll go do my thing. No, it don't work that way. If you want a marriage that walks through conflict, you got to walk hand in hand, even though you see differently. Y'all with me? All right, number three. Here's a big one. I know you're going to love it. We're selfish. We're selfish. James 4, 1 through 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Love how the Bible presents questions. Hey, you want to know why you're fighting? You ready? Here we go. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but what? (laughs) Yeah, let's get down to the real root problem. You want something and you didn't get it. You want it, but you didn't get it. You want something, but don't get it. You kill and you covet But you cannot have what you want, so guess what you do? You quarrel and you fight. We in marriage becomes me in marriage. My wants, what I desire, what I need. And if you're married, I'm here to tell you, you are not a me anymore. You are now a we. And if you don't want to give up your rights, don't get married. When you got married, listen to me. When you got married, there was also a funeral. You're like, I know. You didn't tell me. No. There was a funeral to your rights. It's no longer me. Me died. It is now we. It's no longer what I want. It's what we want. And the problem with a lot of marriages is they they get into marriage with this idea of we and think it's all cute because they watch all these Hallmark movies. And then they realize, like, it's not that way. And then when me doesn't get what me wants, me wants out. Right? Yeah, I know. Thanks for all the amens. Okay. (laughs) We're selfish. Here's number four. Big one. We're at war. Yeah, I know, Pastor Josh. That's why I'm here. No, not with her. We have an enemy that you are at war with, that I am at war with, that we are at war with. John 10.10 says, the thief... This is Satan himself, and his whole purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. What, what do you think his whole purpose is to do in your marriage, to steal it, to kill it, to destroy it? And you got to realize that you are on the same team, and your spouse is not the enemy. Yeah, that was good. Okay, you got to realize you're on the same team, and your spouse is not the enemy. There is a real enemy, though, but it's not, it's not your spouse. And he despises your marriage. Listen to me. The enemy hates the church. Hates it with a passion. With a passion. And so his desire is that, you know what? If he's going to destroy the church, he realizes that he's got to destroy families. But he realizes that if he's going to destroy families, he's got to destroy marriages. And if he can get to marriages, then he can get to families. And if he can get to families, he can get to churches. And if he can get to churches, then he can get to cities. Y'all see how this works? So the enemy is not thinking just about your marriage. He's thinking the things beyond you. You know what he's going after? Your kids. Your grandkids. 
This is the war that we are after, that, that, that we're in, that the enemy wants to take your family and, and tear it apart so that way now your family's torn apart and there's just all of this stuff that comes along with that. So you and I are at war. So let's talk about four ways we deal with conflict. So that's why we're in conflict. Of course, there's so many other things. We could spend so much time on why we're in conflict. But let me dive into the ways we deal with conflict. Let me give you number one. My way. My way. This is the guys who use like the verses like, submit, wife. (laughs) Yeah, how's that going for you, by the way? (laughs) If you have to use that verse, you don't deserve to use that verse. My way. We're going to do it my way. You get into marriage, and it's not we, it's me, it's my way, what I want, how we're going to do it. This is how and you're going to just fold to whatever I want. So that's one way of doing a marriage. That's how you can deal with conflict. We're just going to do what I'll do. Here's number two. Your way. Okay, my way's not working. Let's try your way. Let's go, let's go with your way. You're, you're, you, you, yeah, you say that you know everything, so let's go with your way. All right. And, and you realize real quickly, though, that even though you maybe say, let's do it your way, you are resentful, and you're just waiting for it to implode so you can go, see, we tried it your way, right? Okay, no, I'm not speaking the truth. Okay, so this is how this felt. Okay, let's try it your way. And then you just wait. I hope this doesn't work. So then she, she can't say, I told you so. So let's try your way, okay? Here's the, here's the, here's the next one. So we tried my way, we tried your way. Let's try halfway. You know, let's try a little bit of my way, a little bit of your way. Let's, you know, let's just try to parent the way that you say, maybe on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we'll try my way. You know, I'll let you save some money as long as it's your money. I'll spend my money. And, and we'll do kind of a halfway type of thing. How I many know that's just dysfunction too? <laughs> So those three, my way, your way, and halfway, are honestly all the world's way. Let me propose the last way, and I think it's the way that God wants, is God's way. I think that's why we're all here today, isn't it? Let's figure out how to do this thing God's way. We've tried my way. We've tried your way. We've tried halfway. None of that seemed to work. Let's just try God's way and see how God's way works in our marriage in our family, in our relationship. So let's talk about how do we fight for our marriage God's way, God's way. All right, buckled up. If you're not buckled up, buckle it up. Here we go. Number one, take responsibility. If you want to fight for your marriage and not just fight in it, you got to take responsibility. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. So we're really good at trying everything that the world tells you to do. Man, just go down the Walmart aisle and look at seven ways to make your man happy, six ways to make your marriage great, three ways to do this. How many know they all jacked up? They don't know what they're talking about. Okay, you can pick that up all day long, but your way ain't working because your way is based off of the copying of the world's way. And, 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 And God is telling us, don't copy the world's way. Look at this. Look what it says. But let... God transform who? You. Everybody say you. 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 Transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So this is, the, this is God's way. If you're going to fight for your marriage, you have to start with what is wrong. And last week, Pastor Bubba told this, and I'll just pile back onto it again. The problem 
is you. Now, don't look at your spouse and go, you? No, no, I meant you. <laughs> you might need to say me instead of you because you want to deflect that. But the problem that's in our relationships and conflict is you, is, is me. And God's way is us addressing that first and foremost because before you try to resolve any issue with another person, God has to start with you. With you. And I know you came here today and brought your spouse because you wanted Pastor Josh to deal with your spouse. Get him, Pastor Josh. I brought him here for you. But I'm here to tell you, I don't really care about him. God's going to have to deal with him, and he's going to have to deal with God. I want to deal with you. You go, well, 95% of our problems are all him. Maybe so. What about the five? Oh, we don't want to talk about the five because it's not as great as the 95. Let's talk about the 95. And you know what? The 95 is what's causing the five. No, the five is the problem just as much as the 95. Sin is sin no matter how great or how least it is. And so we need to allow God to change me, transform me, transform the way that I think because then, look what scripture, then this is what happens. Then you will learn to know God's will and then you will do what is good and pleasing and perfect. Come on, how many of you want to be able to describe your marriage as good and pleasing and perfect. This is what we want. This is the progression of where we want to go. We keep praying that God changes them and God's saying, I want to change you. We need to be more interested in fixing the problem than fixing the blame. We're so focused on fixing the blame because for some reason we have bought into the lie and the trap in our conflict that we will never be in a good place until they you put that in. So what you're telling me is that your peace and your hope and your marriage is, on, is only because of them. And I'm here to tell you that if you would start with you, you would start with you. The Bible tells a wife that if her husband doesn't love the Lord, you don't go and beat him up that he doesn't love the Lord. It says that you should love him, serve him, and be an example to him, and that the way that you live would win him over. But it's, hey, you can't do that unless God has changed you. Because how many know if he's a jerk, you want to be a, a jerk? He doesn't deserve that. I know. But that's why God's got to change us. Because in conflict, our spouse doesn't deserve goodness, doesn't deserve kindness. But how many know you didn't either when Jesus gave it to you? Y'all with me here? And so we've got to begin with this idea of taking ownership and taking responsibility of my part. Write this down. It's in your notes. Conflict cannot continue without my participation. Conflict cannot continue without my participation. Conflict has to have two people, and if I don't play, it's over. So a part of the reason why conflict just continues to happen is because you keep playing the game. Just quit the game. I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting into this. Here's four of the hardest statements that we, we make in marriage. You ready? Four of the hardest ones. But I'm going to tell you, if you love Jesus and you want to have a great marriage, you need to start learning. These don't need to become the hardest. They need to become the most often. Here's your first one. I was wrong. I was wrong. Here's number two. I, I'm... I, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. Here's your third one. Forgive me. Forgive me. And last one. And, and, and let me put it this way before I give you the last one. <clears throat> I was wrong. I am sorry. Forgive me are all, are all great ones. This fourth one, though, I believe is the catalyst to seeing real change happen in your marriage and in your life personally. I need help. The past two weeks at our office has been absolutely crazy. You know, we know that every time we start a, a, a series, especially a, a, a marriage series or a relationship series, one, it's going to be highly attended because people have very messed up relationships. They want to get better in it. And, and two is we know we're going to open up a can. Not in that way, but a can of trouble. And I've had more, we've had more counseling and more people message us and call us and go, we need help. And one side as a pastor, it's very encouraging because people are finally being honest. Because you know church is a place where we act like everything's okay when it's really not, right? So I'm, I'm so thankful that people are finally just letting off, taking the mask off and going, this is really where we're at. And then on the other side, it's extremely heartbreaking. But this is, the, this is the type of people that we reach. This is what our heart bleeds for, is hurting broken people that need Jesus. And if you're here today and you're not okay, that is okay. It's just not okay to stay there. And the only way you don't stay there is for you to say, I need help. If you cannot humble yourself to say, I need help, you will stay in that rut for as long as you want. I, I mean, we're counseling people right after this first 9 a.m. service. I mean, it's been happening. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you, after this service is over, we'll give you opportunity to come and get help. We want to help you, but we can only help you to the degree that you ask for it. Y'all hear Y'all hear me? I want you to hear my heart here. I love you. We want to help you, but you got to admit it. You got to admit I need help. That's a part of taking ownership and taking responsibility. Man, I got to get help. And, and the sad thing is it's a lot of women. And I know there's men in here that need it just as bad as women do. Here's the second one. You ready? Seek restoration. Seek restoration. So Ephesians 4, 2 says this, man, listen, you might want to underline, highlight this verse and bring it to memory, especially when you're in conflict. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. <laughs> now watch this. If you thought that was bad, watch this. Making allowances for each other's faults. Baby, you didn't put the towel in the basket. I mean, no, we could make an allowance for that. <laughs> but I said it a hundred times. I know, I know, I know. But we're making allowances for each other's faults because there will be faults in each other's, allow in, in each other's lives because, look, because of your what? Because of your love. You love them. We're going, we're going to be patient with each other. We're going to make allowances for each other. It's not that we're not going to have the conversation. We're not going to talk about it. 
I'm just not going to blow up on these things. And this is what it says. Now get rid, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger, harsh words, and slander. We talked about that with communication. Get rid of those things. Those things don't help anything. As well as all the types of evil behavior. Now look at this, 32. Here we go. So we need to get rid of those things. Here's the things that we need to pursue and we need to add to our lives. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. How do you remember the times when you used to be tender with your spouse? And kind. And forgiving one another. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You know, it's amazing how much grace we can receive and how little we can give. We can come into church and sing an incredible song like Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, and we can cry tears and thank God for his forgiveness and take communion and then walk out the doors and make everybody else pay for their sins. We become the debtors and the collectors. You did this against me, now you need to pay for it. And then walk into church and thank God that he doesn't make us pay for ours. Come on. We've got to seek restoration. And the way that you do that is realizing that the same grace that you needed from God is the same grace your husband or wife needs from you. And so this is a process. Listen, but you can't give forgiveness if you haven't received it. Y'all listen to me very closely. You can't give something you don't have. And so if you can't give that to your spouse, it tells me because you haven't received it from Jesus yourself. Because when you receive the incredible, unmerited favor and grace and forgiveness of God, you give it away because you realize you didn't deserve it too. I can give it to my spouse because Jesus forgave me. The Bible even goes so far as to say in 1 Peter to the husbands in here, husbands, if you put this over your spouse and you won't forgive her, he won't hear your prayers. Who? I mean, no, I want God to hear mine. I want God to respond to mine. And God says, listen, if, you won't, if you're gonna respond to her that way, then, then, then the heavens are shut. Shut off. And so some of you men in here are wondering why your relationship with God is not good. And the reason is because you're trying to have a relationship with God but treating your spouse so bad. And if you would learn that as you engage in the forgiveness of God and ask God to change you, make me, transform me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me take the ownership in my part, that you're going to realize you'll start giving forgiveness more. Restoration, reconciliation, more. Come on, this is some good preaching. All right. Amen myself. Gary Thomas says, couples don't fall out of love. They fall out of forgiveness. Whoo. Couples don't fall out of love. They fall out of forgiveness. I just now don't forgive you anymore. So now I don't want to be with you anymore. Here's number three. This one doesn't seem right when it talks about conflict, but I want you to understand is to cultivate romance. Well, I don't want to touch him. I don't want to be in the same room with him. Well, that's a part of the problem. We need to cultivate this back. And one of the greatest ways that you can cultivate romance is to serve. Serve them. Let me show you. Philippians chapter 2. It says, don't be selfish. 
Well, hey, that's our problem. Why we fight? <laughs> okay, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of, now, now let me cr- cross out others and put your spouse's name right there, okay? So mine would say, be thinking of Lindsay better than yourself. And don't look out for Josh's interest, but take interest in Lindsay and in Josiah and Judah and Joel and put everybody else's name in there. You can make it personal. Don't be so consumed with your own interests, but look at the interest of others. Serve others. Find ways to bless others for it not to be just about you, but do something for somebody else. Find ways to serve your wife, to bless her, to do things that, that is not about just you coming home and, oh, I want to veg out and I want to do, I'm sure she does too. Come home and look for ways to serve. Y'all saw the Super Bowl, the uh, Mr. Clean commercial? Y'all saw that commercial? <laughs> It's like sleeping and stuff and got them really tight pants on. <laughs> I laughed so much when I saw that. But at the end of it, it's a, if you haven't seen it, I don't know if you should go see it. But uh, you see it and he's, he's cleaning the house and everything. At the end, you know, she kind of comes out of this daze and it's her husband there and he's got like a broom and then she jumps him. And then so I, I find it so funny because this idea of he was just serving his wife. And for her, that was, it turned her on. Now, that might not be for you. But find ways to serve your spouse. Find ways to do something beyond you. Find ways to bless them. You remember how kind and tender you were to each other? How much you looked forward to serving one another back in the day? Now we don't do that. Ask your spouse this question. You can do it today. You don't have to ask. Don't don't do it right now. (laughs) But maybe at lunch. Here's the question. You ready? How can I serve you? Now, hold on. Get ready for the answer. <laughs> She's like, okay, I got the list. All right, so I need you to do this and this and this. Okay? But ask. Ask the question, how can I serve you? And, and can, I, can I add to that with no strings attached? So I've been learning. I've been doing some techniques and learning how to massage. And so I've been trying it out on Lindsay. I told Lindsay that, hey, you want a massage? She's like, yeah, yeah, the man be awesome. Great, awesome. So, so I, I gave her a, like a 30-minute massage back. I mean, she'd been doing a lot of workout and stuff, so she was hurting a lot. So I was like, I, oh, I got this. So I got her back and her shoulders. I was like massaging her temples. She's like drooling. I mean, it's just drooling to the point that at the end of it, she fell asleep. And I was like, what the? And so, the so the next morning I said, babe, you fell asleep. And she's like, what were you expecting? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I had 30 minutes. I mean, my hands are cramping. I mean, <laughs> and, and she said, so, oh, so you were doing that with a string attached? <laughs> Dang. Uh, <laughs> no, I was just loving you. But we do that, men, don't we? Get all nice and cuddly whenever we want something in return. We've got a string attached. We don't, we don't serve out of a pure heart. We, we serve with, with a desire, and then when the desire doesn't get met, conflict. Why? Because you didn't get what you wanted. Right? What, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? Let's cultivate some romance. Hey, by the way, next week we'll be talking about... Um, 
romance and sexuality and, and what that is in a marriage and different things. So if you have kids, get them in OSC Kids next week. Um, I don't want to be the one that breaks the news to them. Um, all right, number four, don't run from, run to. Listen to me, this is the most important part of this whole thing. If you want to learn how to fight for your marriage, of course you need to take ownership, you need to take responsibility, you need to seek restoration, you need to cultivate romance. Yes, 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 yes. But you need to run from, not, I mean, you need to not run from. <laughs> yeah, run! Don't run from, run to. Don't run from, run to. In a lifelong marriage, a husband and wife may disagree. No. Will disagree on many things. Many things. Many things. But they must absolutely agree on never giving up. Divorce is not in our vocabulary in the belt home. We burned that ship long time ago. Matt told Lindsay, man, we, we can duke it out all day long. But you still got me. Like, that, ship, that ship's gone. Like, I, I, I can't even get on that ship. We burned it. Like, we're just not giving up. We're not, and most people, when it comes to conflict, they run from it, not run to each other. They run from each other. They don't run to God. They run from their spouse to a friend who only makes it worse. Because they pick sides. They run to everybody else other than the people that they should be running to, which is to God, which is to their spouse, which is to maybe a godly friend that can just push them back. Listen, if you go to a godly friend and they don't push you back to your spouse, don't go back to that friend. Your spouse should always push you back to your spouse, back to Jesus. Let me remind you that trying times are not the time to stop trying. Trying times are not the times to stop trying. You and I that are married made a commitment before people, before our spouse, and before God to have and to hold, to hold, to hold for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do we part. You don't fall in love, you commit to it. I hear people tell me all the time, man, I just fell in love. I don't feel like I love her anymore. Love was never just emotions. It was a choice that you had to make every day. You have to commit to that choice every day. Listen to me very closely. Choices lead, feelings follow. If you let your feelings lead and your choices follow, you'll go like this. But if you make the choice, here's the choice I'm making. We're in this. We're fighting through this. We're going to stay committed. That's the choice. Eventually, your feelings will catch up. It may take a while, but eventually, your feelings will catch up to the choice that you have made. Now, listen, I'm not saying that. Listen, if you're in an, an abusive relationship, if you're in a physical or emotional, people are in danger, their safety, get out. Don't, don't go back to that. Get out of that. But if it's just other stuff that you feel like, man, we need to fight through this, we need to fight for it, fight. Don't run from, run to. And notice, when, when I and Lindsay run to Jesus, look what happens. We grow closer together. So 
Pursue Jesus. You know, I'm talking about this forgiveness and patience and, you know, be patient with people, uh, uh, be kind, all that stuff. You can try to like white knuckle it and try to do it yourself, but that's only going to last for so long. That'll last probably till the parking lot. Or you can just run after Jesus and pray that God will give you the ability to do all those things, which he will. He will. We, uh, we do a lot of counseling lately. And one of the things that I've been telling a lot of marriage counseling is this. They all come in with their, what they think needs to change. And it's usually, by the way, the other person. And they're giving me, they need to do this and they need to do this. And we're arguing about this and with, with the kids and this is with the job and this is with the money and this is with the, and so this is what I do. Time out. Here's what I want us to do. You ready? Let's table all of those things. I think they're legitimate. I think they need to be dealt with. I think they're, they're real issues. But follow me here. Let's table all of that for one week. And for the next seven days, I want you and you to just seek Jesus together. Just go after Jesus. Just plug in, get in a life group, just go after Jesus, pray together, get in the word together, spend time, just go after, let's table all of that stuff. We'll come back to it, but let's just go after Jesus first and let's see. And, and it's, it's sad, but it's very revealing because when you start asking people about their relationship with Jesus, it's usually not in a healthy place. Let's go after him. So I'm going to give you two prayers to wrap all this up. You ready for the two prayers? If you want to write them down, you can. If you've got a spot on your notes. But I'm going to give you two prayers that I want you to pray every day for the next seven days. Next Sunday, we'll come back and we'll see, see how it goes. But if you want to do marriage God's way, and you want to fight for your marriage, no matter where you are in the spectrum, maybe your husband's not even with you, maybe you're separated, maybe you're on the brink of divorce, maybe, I don't know where you're at. Maybe your marriage is great, then great. But we can all still pray these two prayers, and here's the two prayers that we need to pray. Jesus, show me where I fall short of being the spouse I need to be. Jesus, show me where I fall short of being the spouse I need to be. That's prayer one. Prayer two, Jesus, teach me to see my spouse through your eyes. Jesus, teach me to see my spouse through your eyes. Not through my eyes. Come on, how many know our eyes have a filter of pain? Our eyes have a filter of bitterness. Our eyes have a filter of, no, God, let me see them as you see them. And then, God, I pray, would you just show me where are the areas that, that are in my own heart where I'm not being the spouse that I need to be? Where is that? All right, now if you put your pen down and I want you just to close your eyes just right there where you are and let's just have a moment with the Lord here. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment to do what you do best and that is to speak to us and to draw us to Jesus. So right now, every person that is in this room, every person that's watching online, God, I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to them and you would reveal the areas of their own heart where they're not where they're supposed to be. But God, we know that you only reveal so that you can heal. And if you'd say, Pastor Josh, you know what? 
God's revealing some things right now. Even maybe even while I was talking, God was revealing some things in my own heart where I need to make some changes. If that's you in this place, I want to pray for you. But would you just raise your hand just right there where you are just so I can know who to pray for? Come on. Hands going up all over the place. Come on. Honesty and humility. Father, I pray over every single hand that's raised, over every person that's watching and listening. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, fill them fresh and anew. God, we thank you for your forgiveness. God, we repent of our own sins of our own shortcomings, of the areas where we haven't given grace and forgiveness, of the areas where we have we've pushed the envelope or where we've maybe said some things that we're not building up but we're discouraging and belittling. God, we repent of those things and we ask you, Lord, for your forgiveness. We ask, God, that you would do a work in us, do a work in our own hearts. God, I pray, Lord, today by your grace, thank you for your forgiveness, but by your grace that you would also strengthen your people in this room. Help them, encourage them, walk with them, show them, empower them to be the spouse that they need to be. Maybe for those that are here that are single, believing for a spouse, God, I pray that you would be with them, strengthen them as they wait for the person you have for them. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. All heads still bowed. Just one more moment. If you're in this room, and you can put your hands down. If you're in this room and you've never surrendered your life fully to Jesus, part of the beginning of a great marriage is just the admittance of, I need God. I need him. I need him in my life before I can even get him in my marriage. If you would be in here and you'd be so bold to say, you know what, I, I need to surrender my life to Jesus if that's you today, would you just raise your hand all across this place? Any, any hands? Come on, we got them going up all over this place. Thank you, thank you over here. Thank you right there. Thank you in the back. Come on, can we all just pray together? Say, dear Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. He lived a life that I couldn't live and he died a death that I should have died. Thank you for taking my shame, my guilt, my failures and giving me your righteousness. Today, I surrender my life. I give it all to you. Take it. Have your way from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen.